0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast Recap Edition, your Sunday recap. Auburn 30, Tennessee 17 Tigers. Uh, In the words of Gus Malzon, Rusty. Let walk in the uh, in the first quarter of this game, down ten nothing early to Tennessee, but then rally, score twenty seven unanswered, and pull out a solid if not unspectacular win inside Jordan Hare Stadium to improve to five and two on the season ahead of the Iron Bowl this upcoming Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Painter Sharpless, with me as always, Painter. What was your initial gut reaction to? Auburn 30, Tennessee 17.
1: There's a number of different directions to take this, Ferg. On the one hand, your team won, and not only won, but covered. If you're listening to this, I say your team. Obviously, it was not particularly impressive, I think, if you look at The game itself and the way it unfolded, there were some things that you can like. There are a couple of areas of deficiency that give you concern going into what will be your biggest matchup of the year. And I thought, you know, a few weeks ago that there were a couple of good, maybe even great teams in the SEC. I'm not so sure that's the case. We'll find out with Florida. It seems, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're headed to a matchup with Alabama, but I think right now Auburn on their schedule may have the only great team in the conference ahead of it this week, and, and I'm sure you'll talk more about this, but, like, run defense could be better. Finishing drives could be better for Auburn. Um, so there were some things you can be happy with, and Jeremy Pruitt pointed to the fact that they had more yards than Auburn in this game. Well, guess who had more yards than Tennessee in 2018? Didn't matter. Same thing here. So I can I go it. either way with this. Like, it, to me, is great that you won and you covered. Can't right. complain about that. I also felt like this was just not a very good Tennessee team, and I was hopeful no. Auburn would pick up where they left off a long time ago against LSU. I mean, basically this was what amounted to almost uh, the amount of time in a bowl layoff. Right. So I'm not totally surprised they came out looking a little bit rusty, if you will.
0: Yeah, and and of course you know a lot of Auburn fans would be quick to point out Auburn's bowl record under Gus Malzahn not great. So those long layoffs eh, doesn't it hasn't bode boded sure. bode well uh, for uh, for for their teams in the past. Um, I think the big one right off top, oh, okay, two things. One, Jeremy Pruitt saying we outgained him was, is kind of funny because like it's true and Tennessee had their best game of offense in over a month. Um, which we'll get into some of the reasons why, uh, in this, in this episode. But also I think it's real funny cause it's like, Oh yeah, you, uh, you know, you outgained him by 79. Do you know what Auburn didn't, didn't have though? What a hundred, is that? They didn't need a hundred yards because smoke Monday did it for him. It's just like one of their touchdowns came a hundred yards, like they went the distance of the field, not on offense. Um, well, and and
1: this is a little bit unrelated, Ferg, but you have pointed out the reason why simply looking at total yards or total anything in football can be misleading. And oftentimes averages can be a little, can paint a more accurate specific picture.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and Tennessee still got it. If you look Mm -hmm. at the averages, I would be interested. Um, You know, they got 54 yards at the end. So it would have been closer if, you know, if you exclude quote unquote garbage time there at the end, when it's, when Auburn was already, already already had it pretty much well in hand. Um, that's kind of a dumb argument. Cause I
1: saw, I saw your, your friend David Ubbin put a quote out from Pruitt, you know, and he's ultra defensive all the time, even when things are going well. So I cannot fathom covering that child of a man when they're doing poorly. But it's like, dude, why are you, if you're gonna defend your offensive coordinator, I don't blame you. Defend your coaching staff. Defend yourself. But all don't right. point to total yards when you clearly were not the better team. Total yards don't matter.
0: Right. What matters in this game is that there was you know there was a stretch of uh I'm gonna try to try to put it all together in the in the right form. There was a stretch of uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven drives there was a stretch of 11 drives in this game where Auburn scored 5 times and Tennessee scored 0 times, right? Late first quarter, um, I'm sorry, 5 5 out of 10. Uh you know, from the second in the second quarter and the third quarter and then early into the fourth quarter with that missed field goal by Tennessee. The thing the thing here to keep in mind if you're Auburn is that you know, the there, this Tennessee team has not been good this season, uh, and they move the ball on you. Early in the game, it looked like, you know, Jarrett Garantano was gonna look like the Jarrett Garantano, uh, that hurt Auburn two years ago. Third downs were a problem early. Uh, and then at, at the end of the game, if you look, three, uh, both, both teams on third downs, nine of 15, and I wrote about it in the observations on on Sunday morning, those aren't created equal because um, when they happened were interesting. Most of Tennessee's third down conversions came, um, earlier in the game and then later in the game when already had, Auburn had the game in hand. In that middle stretch, they might have picked up a few, but they also ended up in, in empty drives. Auburn was able to get third down stops in the second, in the second and third quarters that forced Tennessee into things like, you know, missed field goals, uh, you know, empty drives uh, later ending out in interceptions. Um, and and that's the thing that that's the thing that was uh, that that struck me about this team on Saturday for Auburn is is that they tightened up on Garantano after the first quarter. I think Garantano had you know nearly 120 yards in the first quarter of the game. Now Harrison Bailey came in late, and you know once Auburn already kind of had it in hand, but you know this Auburn team's was was rusty early. They were missing tackles. They were getting out of fits, and that and that still was an issue in the you know especially in the running game. Eric Gray ran for 173 on you, um, which is a which is not a good sign at all. Um, but I, I think it, I think for Auburn, it's just it, go, it keeps going back to I think Auburn's defense, and they didn't play their best game obviously on Saturday night. But I think Auburn's defense is built for this current age of college football where pretty much every defense in the country has had at least one or two bad quote-unquote games. But what do we know about Auburn? They're the only team in the SEC that hasn't given up more than 30 points in game season, and they force turnovers. Now, the turnover battle was even in this game uh, on Saturday night, but they they get timely stops. Uh, They forced Tennessee into some field goal situations they didn't want to be in. They forced them to punt um, during a stretch where Auburn's offense started clicking. And then, of course, the pick six. From Smoke Monday, um, I mean, th- those are the kind of plays that you have to have. And so, this defense, if it can continue to affect the quarterback like it did last night, if it can continue to create some havoc in the secondary, even when teams are completing passes on you, that's a good form. That's as good of a formula I think that you're going to get heading into the Iron Bowl against an Alabama offense that is, I mean, if they're not the best in the country, they're they're very close. So. I think for Auburn, you can take those positives out of that, but there's, there's a lot of negatives that you also have to kind of clean up in this game. Um, but the, the bottom line is you held them to 17 points and it wasn't like you held them to 17 points and they needed something weird. Yes. The pick six, Jarrett Garantano stared down his man and, and, and smoke Monday just read it the whole way and, and housed it off of it, but
1: there was good pressure on that play too. Yeah.
0: If he holds it for a half. Half a second longer, Longer. Owen oh, Popo probably gets a strip sack there because he is about to just – I mean, he, he crushed Garantino on that throw. I think the other thing for Auburn, though, is is that, that the running game imbalance was something to, to, to speak of, um, and it comes back to the lines on both sides of the ball. And also, um, you know, I think we can't go any further in this podcast without mentioning the fact Tank Bigsby ran the ball really well uh, on the first play of the game. Had another, had another carry, had an injury, didn't look the same coming back in, even though he had another good run.
1: Um, but the only one that felt like that him getting slammed that way was a little unnecessary. I mean, it's football. That kind of thing's going to happen. It's not that unusual. So I, don't I
0: didn't think, see that play. Clearly. I mean, I,
1: you know, and, and maybe if he doesn't get hurt, I don't think much of it because we see plays like that fairly frequently where it's near the end of the play and a guy gets thrown to the ground pretty hard. But I was looking the entire game for some payback, um, on the other side of the ball. And I guess, Kudos to Auburn for either not thinking it was a big deal and just putting on their big boy pants and being like, that's part of the game. But uh, I was hopeful that Auburn would return the favor. I thought it was a little questionable, um, and I guess it ultimately doesn't matter what the intentions of it were, because Auburn was without their star running back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see the play he got injured on super clearly. uh, I think I'm being a little sensitive,
1: Ferg. I think some people would just tell you that's just how the sport like that goes sometimes.
0: Um. You know, didn't get that vibe from anybody in the, in the post game. Right. Um, but I think with Auburn though is you, you did see in this one. I mean, look, Auburn rushed for 178 yards against, uh, Tennessee. Um, if you take out sacks, of course, oh, nearly about five yards a carry. If you look at Sean Shivers and DJ Williams combining, uh, for well over five yards a carry together, it was good enough. And, like, Tennessee's defense was susceptible to some big plays. The, you know, D.J. Williams had had a couple big runs. Sean Travers had a couple big runs as well. But those, like, at the line of scrimmage, like, one, two-yard gains started piling up a little bit. And I think you saw the difference in the fact that, you know, Bigsby's just a different kind of guy, right? Bigsby can move the pile a little bit better. He can break tackles a little bit better. Um, and so, without that, Auburn lost some of its edge on the offensive end, especially early. Um, so... You know, it, we'll see what Bigsby's status is like. Um, he tried to play again last night.
1: Looked like they got kind of fortunate. I thought the same thing that Jerry Hennen, friend of the newsletter tweeted out, which was that he midway through the play sort of grimaced. And then as he's going down, he lost the ball. So A, I'm glad he was okay and, and just decided to take himself out. B, I'm glad Auburn didn't lose the ball deep in their own territory.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think if you're Auburn, I mean, you, you, Want to do what's best because, like, you have the Iron Bowl on Saturday and it's a big one. It's the biggest game all year. No, the if you need tank
1: temporary. in a game. It's going to be that one,
0: right? But also, you've got two, possibly three more games after it, depending oh, on no. what bowl games look like this year. Um, and he's a freshman, so like again, you want to be smart. You want to be. Um, you want to do what's best for the player, even though Auburn's best chance of winning this game on Saturday, you would imagine, comes with. Tank Bigsby running the ball. On top of that, um, Auburn also had injuries on offense uh, at offensive tackle, both Alec Jackson and harris Ham uh, left the game. Um, and didn't return. It's it's that's that's a concern because I think both of those guys have been able to be really good run blockers. Now to their credit, um, you know, and I'll be very interested to see when I go back through film room kind of what some of the offensive line breakdowns were and kind of where they came from on Saturday. To their credit. Austin Troxell and Brennan Coffey stepped in and got the job done for Auburn and, uh, you know, helped that offense kind of keep rolling, uh, there in the second half. But that's another area of concern. You already lost, uh, Brandon Council and you've got depth and you've, you've been saying you want to, you know, you've been trying out all these guys and you can move them around. Um, but that's going to be tough because Alabama's defense isn't the best in the world. Like pretty much every defense in college football this, this season, you can say that about. But uh, they've got some athletes, and they've got some five-star talent, and, like, they're going to be able to get after you. So um, I think in Auburn's case, they've got to do a better job of, um, you know, protecting the passer and creating some on, just winning up front a little bit more, and we'll see how much that's affected um, by Jackson and Ham, their uncertain status. Um, I know
1: some people may be wondering
0: about it. Seth Williams, you know, on that catch that wasn't the touchdown you know, they had the what replay. What'd you think? Or, I uh, thought it
1: wasn't a touchdown. A lot of people didn't agree with me because he hit the pylon. But I, I as I understand it, and I don't know if I understand did, it did, I don't, did. I don't think the NFL or the NCAA fully knows what it is either, but I didn't think, I thought he bobbled the ball once he came down. Yes. Or, or, yes. So that was my take on it. I wish it had stood. It. it was an absolutely incredible effort.
0: It was, it was. And, and Auburn ended up scoring a touchdown later on that drive. Thanks in part to, you know, DJ Williams running the ball well. Um, so, you know, no harm, no foul there. In some ways,
1: kind of more impressive. Like when you think about it, that yeah, you
0: overcome adversity and you and you get that touchdown that you need there in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, Seth Williams came up kind of kind of grimacing, holding his shoulder, or you know, kind of that you know, it looked like it could have been a problem. Again, it was like, oh man, you've lost your the ginger boy
1: after the the play, absolutely. And given the injury last year, there's some cause for concern.
0: But Williams said after the game, said multiple times he's fine. It was just a stinger. Um, he'll be ready to go on Saturday. Uh, so, that's good news, uh, if it stays that way for Auburn. Uh, I do want to talk about DJ Williams and Sean Shivers, uh, real quick. Um again, like I said, they're not Tank Bigsby, um because no one is, uh, you know, pretty much in college football, but especially on this Auburn roster in terms of having that tackle-breaking ability, that, that high level. But, gotta say, DJ Williams, six yards of carry in this game game had a touchdown. Um he's a guy who's battled through his own injuries this year. He has stepped up this season for Auburn. He is um you know, I, he hasn't had a ton of carries because of Bigsby's breakout uh this season, but Williams is a much more efficient runner this year. He's stepped in in a big spot for him. Um and, I, and it's been a frustrating year for him uh for sure because of the injuries, but I thought I thought his game, I mean, six yards a carry, you will take that from anybody you can get. Uh and then Sean Chivers as well. Showing some agility on, um, uh, on, on his runs. You know, four, a little over four and a half yards of carry. It's solid. You know, it's, it's solid. That's the kind of Russian production that if you can do that next week against Alabama, if Bigsby isn't ready to go, that will help you, uh, tremendously. But, um, you know, with an offensive line that wasn't quite as good as they have been, you know, the last two games that they played, I thought DJ Williams and Sean Chivers stepped in in a big spot for Auburn. And it, I think it showed, like I said, if if Bigsby's not able to go in the Iron Bowl uh, next Saturday, um, I think Auburn can at least trust that they don't have to go into to Bryant Denny and try to throw the ball 50 times a game. They still can they still can run the rock with with DJ and, and Worm.
1: So overall, what'd you think of the performance offensively? Like I know you've hit on those different spots. Auburn ends up putting 30 up on a defense that I think is fine, is how you can describe it. It's not the worst. It certainly is not something I'm going to pretend I'm impressed by. And Auburn did not finish its drives, but you cover. I think if you take away a couple of plays, it's on the verge of becoming a much less interesting game. But here we are, and it seems like that Auburn offense isn't ready, even as we near the end of the season, to fully turn the corner and put a game like this completely out of the way. And I guess... While I'm here, let me track back to something I said recently. In 2013, Auburn went to an SEC title. In 2014, halfway through November, they were a top-ten team. In 2016, they won six straight games before their quarterback's arm fell off, heading into their two biggest games of the year, Georgia and Alabama. In 2017, they went back to Atlanta. And in 2019, they won three of their final four games in November, including one over top five Alabama, which, of course, kept them out of the playoff. If you have any problems acknowledging that Auburn has been good in the second half of the year, I don't know what to tell you. Like, either you can't vaguely remember the outcome of events or you can't be bothered to Google search box scores, which themselves are not fully indicative of a game but can help you remember these things. And all I would say to this point is, not the best game Auburn could have played against Tennessee, but yet again, they're winning, they're covering, and they're heading into a big matchup against a rival, which I don't think they'll win. But honestly, how many teams are going to beat this Alabama team this year? It wasn't flawless, guys. This is going to be a weird year, but you cannot tell me that more years than not, Gus Malzahn is not taking his team in the second half of the year and making them better.
0: Yeah, yeah and I, I think the only thing there, the, the argument here, to get back is the bowl game thing, right? And I mean, I've made my opinions on, on bowl games and, and their importance plenty of times in, you know, in other formats. But again, like you, you got to go back to the fact that yeah, there's, there's that always that midseason problem or something like that. And then, you know, you play Georgia and Alabama down the stretch of the season. You had, you had some years where you didn't look good. We'll see how it goes this year. Um, and I guess the other thing about that is painters, like even if they lose on Saturday, Against Alabama, you've got two more games that I would say are winnable. Now A and M's looking tougher and tougher by the week, but heck, who knows when A and M's going to play again? Um, you know, because their yeah, their issues.
1: State gave Georgia a run that I was not prepared for. Ooh. That was yeah. weird.
0: Again, like it's just man, if you're if you're a team in college football that can consistently just take care of business this year, I'm I'm very impressed because there's doesn't seem to be very many of y'all out there.
1: Um, Even Indiana and Ohio State. Like, Ohio State is a significantly better team, but it was awesome to watch Indiana battle back and make that a close game. And
0: and, and that goes back to my point about defense. It's like every defense in college football has kind of gotten shredded at some point this season, Uh, Georgia being uh, the chief example with their their two performances against Alabama and Florida. And so, like, if you're an Auburn team that locks it down in the red zone and and, and forces turnovers and, and creates opportunities for your own offense, I think you're in a better shape than necessarily, hey, we're going to play – we're going to try to, you know, man up and dominate you out here. Um, mm-hmm. I think Georgia's got – had issues with that in the past. I mean, of course, last night, and Mississippi State barely had any players and, and, and were moving the ball. But I digress. Speaking of Auburn's offense, like you, you were asking earlier, um, I thought Auburn's offensive performance, like, it, it, it's solid. Um uh, not going to win you very many style points, but uh, keep in mind, you know, first drive of the game, 4-14, you know, Kind of stalls out. The Bigsby injury uh, didn't help anything there. Um, but throw an interception in the end zone, right? They were moving the ball in that one. Then touchdown, field goal. They go three and out with system. Again, once again, I do not understand what happens at the end of second quarters with Auburn and clock management. I don't get it. Um, Look, man, I'm
1: a, I, I know I know that this is probably something like an area you don't want to get too overly into because it's like hard to know what the coaches are thinking about in terms of play calling. And we've been quick to say And it
0: didn't matter. It, did, it ended up not mattering. Yeah, exactly. Like, they far, won the they game. Far far and not on only did they
1: win it, right. but they won it by double digits. But like it, it does annoy me that uh, these coaches who do seem to know an incredible amount more than I do about this sport uh, cannot consistently figure out a way to not do that. And it's not the first time. Like that to me is yeah, the yeah, weird they, part. They, they, I, I know, I know they know more than me, but like, what are you doing?
0: Had that issue against, um, you know, in the end of the second quarter, that weird drive against uh, against Ole Miss as well. It, again, it not ended up mattering in the long run in either of those games. I think even though the, the Ole Miss game was closer than this one, but yeah, I don't know. It, but back to my point, you know, they go, they go touchdown. They throw the pick in the end zone, then they go touchdown field goal. That weird three out field goal touchdown touchdown. And one of those touchdowns was a defense touchdown and then field goal, right? So they got productive drives. Now the, the field goal is you want to finish the, the job off. You want to convert in the red zone when you can. Auburn's first touchdown was a, you know, Schwartz gets open. Um, and you know, it's a coverage bust. Something happened there by Tennessee and like you still got to hit the guy. And so he hit him in first pick in Jordan Hare. Um, a play that could easily been a touchdown as well. Um, but Nick said, you know, he didn't throw the, he kind of aimed it instead of throw through it um to me it seemed like shorts could probably could have gotten back to the ball a little bit easier you know equal parts to blame on that one but of course next after the game taking more more of the blame there um it 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 got the job done right you you're not getting style points you didn't get to blow out you know the team like you did in your last one against lsu but uh you moved the ball consistently and you got some points you only had you know Three empty drives, two of them on the first two of the game and one near, you know, could have been a touchdown or at least this could have been a scoring drive if, if Nick's, you know, if, if Nick's just runs with the ball, if he, if he, you know, doesn't try to force it there. And then the, and then the weird clock management thing at the end of the first half. Uh, Bo Nix, by the way, uh, started off two of seven in this game, uh, and then bounced back and finished, uh, five of, uh, sorry, 15 of 19 after halftime or after halftime after that interception. Man, i I'm. I'm Really, you you can probably tell I was up till 3 o'clock this morning. Um,
1: <laughs> well, also, real quick, just to backtrack, because uh, you've right. already hit on this mostly. But, uh, look, LSU couldn't run the ball against Auburn. They had 32 yards in that game and what feels like forever ago. And Tennessee, I don't think, was anywhere near as good of a team as Auburn. But they did run the ball well. They were able to eat up clock. Auburn scored 10 points in each quarter except for the first when they scored no points. So you start a little yeah. sluggish. And then, like you said, on each one of the, it's like, man, if you have – 14 points instead of 10 on one or two of those, uh, in one or two of those quarters, like you're, you're talking about a game that's a lot closer to 40 to 17 or, or, or something. So I, I can spin myself in not saying what if, what if, but like ultimately, as you said, some of those struggles in this game did not matter. Next week, when you're going up against a team that's going to score the way I imagine yep. they will, you're yeah. going to have to get in the end zone.
0: This game can't go into that with the field goal kicking battle, even with Alabama's field goal kicking issues in the past. Um, <laughs> seems like they're much more stable on that side this year. Uh, with their, with oh, the, we got a little field goal magic
1: year, uh, last night. Yeah,
0: yep. they did. Uh, Tennessee missed a short field goal that you know they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. But again, you 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 put. Uh, I think Malzahn said it best. You put their kicker in some pressure spots, right? You you know it's not a right. Tennessee doesn't have a great kicker, and at least you get in those third down stops to put them in those situations where you know they're getting empty drives. And and, and Andres Carlson should get credit for hitting the hitting the easy ones. Uh, that that fifty yarder was a was a wild ride, um, but you know <laughs> it counts. Uh, and uh, you, you go on from there. I'll say this about Bonex X uh, real quick: sixty five percent completion percentage. He had eight and a half yards in a ten last night. Um, he has completed at least sixty five percent of his passes. And, uh, about, if you round up, uh, eight yards an attempt in three straight games. That is the longest streak of, of his career to this point. He has been, he was so up and down as a freshman. He got off to a slow start this year. He has settled, right? And there were some games last night, there were some plays last night where he would, had to move around out of the pocket because that Tennessee pass rush is a little, is firmer than, you know, some of the other ones Auburn's faced this season. Uh, they did a really good job of preventing LSU from getting after him. Um, for the most part, he was able to scramble. You know, had those issues, had the tackles out and all that. Nix was different. did a really good job, I thought, of kind of commanding the pocket, moving around, throwing the ball. He was eight to ten on third downs, which is huge. Um, you know, you move, you move the chains, you spread the ball around. Eight receivers caught balls. Um, Shanker caught two, Pagies caught one, so that's three more from your tight ends. Um, we did see Brandon Frazier out there, but. They never looked at his direction. Um, again, I think there's some things that you can still say that Knicks can, can, can improve on, be a little more consistent, um, on some of those throws, especially like that interception. Uh, I think he could stand to look, you know, to the tight ends a little bit more or Auburn. And maybe that's a case of Auburn just trying to, um, maybe need to draw up some things a little bit more for him. But with guys like Seth Williams and Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz out there, You'll live with it. I mean, all three of those guys got three catches last night. Each one of them had a big play to their name. Um, I, I thought Nick's Nick's again was that was was a good quarterback performance from Nick's after what was a really bad start. You know, after that interception, he looked like or he looked more like what he looked like uh the previous two two Saturdays. Um, you know, on Saturday against against Alabama, because outside of some weird. You know, pick sixes or, you know, special teams nonsense like you kind of got at times, uh, last season. You're going to need, you're going to need a great game from Knicks. Uh, you're going to need a great game for your running game. You're going to need, you're going to need a better performance, I think, overall from your offensive line that had some highs and lows. And then on the defensive end, you got to, you got to get, you know, I think stopping the run more will be the key. And, and that's, and, and I think that's the big concern area you got to take out of this game for Auburn because, I mean, La- on, on, on Saturday night, Tennessee got a lot of what they wanted to do on the ground. Eric Gray ran for nearly eight yards carry. Uh, they had a couple smoke draws that 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 hurt Auburn, uh, which was a bitter twist of irony considering how much yeah, Auburn really fans me. I, I just like that, that just like that play call. Um, you know, they got they got what they they got what they wanted on the ground for the most part. They were able to move and kind of gash, and like Auburn had to. On a couple of, couple of occasions, you know, come up with stuff like the pick like the pick six and you know some some tight third down stops uh when they were getting after Garantano and, and tightening up on the receiver. That's gotta be something you gotta correct. You know, six point six yards per carry, you know, once you take out sacks for Tennessee, that is bad. That is not the that is not what you want. Um it is is I think it probably ended up being statistically Auburn's worst run defense performance of the season, coming after their best run defense performance of the season, right? So if it doesn't feel like that this season's kind of randomized and, and defense especially feels like you don't really know what all you're going to get week in and week out, that's the one you got to worry about. Because Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, that whole gang at, at, at Alabama, they've got weapons. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. However, if Najee Harris can get five, six yards a clip uh, running behind that re- that really good uh, Alabama offensive line, it's going to be a long day for Auburn. You don't want to let him get in that that spot you were. Uh, against, against Georgia where a team can stay balanced and just really pick you apart. That's gotta be the big thing. Can Auburn get back to what they were? Now there were some stretches where they were able to stop the run and they were able to force them into some, into some empty drives, but it's gotta be, it's gotta come a lot more frequently in this game. And I think one of the things to keep in there, keep in mind there when you talk about the rust, you talk about the, the, the sleepwalk and whatever you want to call it early in on in the first quarter from Auburn, it is worth mentioning. Auburn did not have a a key player. Anybody in their too deep depth chart out because of COVID-19. That was an issue we thought that could be possible coming into this game, but it was pretty much the full slate of guys. There were a few that that did not, uh, that weren't able to dress out, but they were mer- mostly reserves um that barely get playing time, if any playing time. That was a real blessing for Auburn. But the other thing about that is just kind of from what I've heard, there were, you know, it was kind of, a touch and go that like some guys were able to return like Friday or Thursday, you know, because of, because of the, the, the protocols and how long you have to Ultimately, sit out.
1: you're looking at a multi-week game layoff and a potential in which some Auburn players hadn't practiced in more than a week going into a match we thought was a little bit more favorable, right?
0: Right. So maybe that had something to do with the defensive line, right? Didn't seem to have any injuries up there. There were some, there were some good moments. I thought Auburn's pass rush once again. Did a better job. We, 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 we talked about it heading into this game. That Tennessee offensive line. Look, they, they created some holes on the ground for sure, but I think it, in terms of pass protection, that group is overrated. I mean, you guys, let's just be honest. They, they have a, they give up a high sack rate, especially on passing down situations. Auburn had four sacks in that game, uh, had two more tackles for loss, had quite a few hurries, uh, in that game as well. They were getting after Garantano. And once that pass rush started clicking and clicking, um, you saw Garantano kind of shrink back a little bit. And, uh, it, it took them having to switch to Harrison Bailey late in some garbage-ish time, uh, to start moving the ball again through the air. Uh, but, you know, Auburn's defense line, Big Cap Bryant, there was a coverage sack late on that final drive that looked good for Auburn. Uh, Jamie Sherwood got home on a blitz. Uh, Daquan Newkirk, um, combined with Colby Wooden for, for, for a sack. And then also Colby Wooden got another one of his own in the game. Uh, this was a, this was one of the quick reads and the observations. Um, if you want to check that out at our AuburnObserver.com, um, for subscribers, uh, I'll, I'll give this one though. Colby Wooden had a, had a sack and a half against Tennessee. He is now averaging 1.21 tackles for loss per game this season, which is still on pace for the most in Auburn, uh, Auburn's program since Nick Fairley, uh, destroyed the world in 2010, uh, up front. Uh, Colby Wooden, just flat out gets after people up front, and uh, really good game from him. Having Jamie and Sherwood back there, um, healthy and uh, making plays, I thought also was very key for Auburn.
1: Yeah, no disagreement from me on that. Your front.
0: boy, your boy, Dre, Dre Butler got five tackles. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, uh, a second. couple of people have asked me about him, and Go ahead. I was just going to say a couple of people have asked me about him, and like you know, it's not as if I had some uh, truly serious intel that would have led me to believe that he was going to have a breakout season. But uh, everything about that guy screams upside. And hopefully yeah. at this point in the season, he's rounding into form. Uh, I have no disagreements on any of, of what you said there.
0: He's going to have a, um, I, th- I think he's one of those guys being a Juco guy in this weird off season. The fact that this year doesn't count for anybody, I yes. think it's going to help him. Yeah. I think it's going to help him for sure. And, and he'll be, he'll be able to, I mean, he's got all the physical talent in the world. By the way, another <laughs> shout out here. Uh, among Auburn's defensive linemen, uh, Caleb Johnson.
1: So yeah, Caleb what's Johnson, going on
0: there? Caleb Johnson redshirted, didn't barely uh, barely played any last season, and it felt like he was just might have gotten lost in the shuffle mm. in that in that defensive line rotation. Um, I guess not. He, he had a good camp. He had a really good fall camp. Um uh, Kevin Steele uh, praised him. Some teammates praised him for for the way he's come on. He had a big tackle for loss on on, on Saturday. Um he's looking like a P, a good piece of that edge rush. And and again when you know, stuff' I've seen Jay Jay Hardy, Jaron Handy, um you know those guys dressed out, weren't able, you know, it didn't play. Um I, I wouldn't say weren't able, we don't know what the current situation is. Getting out there, making tackles like is a really good sign for that depth of that Auburn defense. that that, that unit just though as a whole needs to step up Especially in terms of, of their runs. Just play like you did against LSU. Play like you did, um, uh, against South Carolina and, and Kevin Harris. Um, you know, it wasn't like Harris ran wild on him or anything. Um, uh, play like you did in the second half against Kentucky. Play like you did in the second half to an extent against Georgia. You know, play that, play that kind of game on the ground. Arkansas was another good one as well. Gotta play that game. Otherwise, you know, if, if Harris can, can keep some of that pressure off of Mac Jones and they can throw the ball. To, uh, Smith and, and, uh, Mechie and, and all those guys, uh, you know, it could be a long day in Tuscaloosa. So if you're Auburn, um, you got the stops that you needed on defense, but you, you're, you're going to have to tighten up and, 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 uh, at least the depth I thought was on display on, on Saturday. And we'll see. You get through a game where, like we said, you didn't, you didn't know like who was going to be able to be Available or not, and it might have been a weird situation where certain guys didn't practice or barely practice, and all that. And you still won, you still covered. Um And you know, of course, covering doesn't really matter to anybody but the people who have money on the game. But um, oh, but again,
1: it matters a great deal, Justin.
0: Yeah, that fifty yarder, that fifty yarder <laughs> late was a uh, was a big one, I think, for 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 certain people. Um, but the other thing to, to keep in mind in there is that you get through it. Now you're going to go into a week where you've got. Practices, it's gonna be a different week, it's gonna be kind of an odder week because of all the stuff going on with COVID, but um kinda of getting to lock in and kinda of get back in a groove, um, before you play Alabama. And once again, other schools have had to cancel and, and Auburn hasn't had a positive test. You know, getting that taken care of after that, uh, after that off week, I think is, it was very key for Auburn because, again, like you saw with the Clemson-Florida State game yesterday, that didn't happen. These things can happen on a dime and um I think for Auburn their bigger concern right now now I guess in the immediate it's not necessarily covid even though they're doing their best on that and they are and and they're continuing to to you know take care take care of business there I think their bigger concern is going to be like those two offensive tackles and especially Tank Bigsby moving forward
1: I'm with you I uh I would just caution Auburn fans about what it is you think the direction the program needs to head in. Like there are some real conversations hearkening back to what I was saying about Auburn finishing the second half of season strong, even in years when they've lost to teams like Georgia and Alabama. And look, we've gone over this time and again. You can be mad that Gus has been inconsistent against LSU in particular two games where it looks like with double digit leads, you just need to close it out. You can be mad at Gus and a couple of other coaches. Over the last decade and a half that just have not played well at all against Georgia. I don't think you can say all that much about Gus's performance against Alabama given he's been better against Saban than anyone else. But uh you know, when you look at what Jeremy Pruitt has uh happening in Tennessee right now, when you look at South Carolina and a number of other programs, what's happening at LSU, uh I'm still not sold on A and M. The analytics like them more than Auburn right now, but you and I have talked about Kevin Steele's ability to take away something from an offense. And, and make them... by the way,
0: by the way, off of that, um, you know, Tennessee threw the ball particularly well early and then a little bit better late. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, coming into this game, uh, Josh Palmer was was Tennessee's leading receiver on the season. He was targeted six times on Saturday. He had one catch for eight yards. Yeah. Once again, um, once again, they, they they find ways to take those number one receivers out of the out of the picture, and of course, the refrain is going to be after this is like, well, Alabama's got, you know, Alabama's yeah, got Yeah, I, I saw that a bunch.
1: People kept saying, well, they have four or five receivers. Like, yeah, four, they, they also well, had that they, last year for what it's worth. Was,
0: my favorite one was like, they have four or five number one receivers. I was like, no, they have they have one number one receiver. Number one doesn't mean you know quality necessarily. It means you know who
1: who is the guy they go to more often.
0: Right. Uh, but yeah, like if you oh, go for, the, to for the for the sake
1: of that argument, I get the point of like oh, having a bunch of NFL guys. it's a valid guys. argument. And and, then, and yeah, like I, if Jalen Waddle was healthy, I just
0: want to be a jerk. I can just say no. They only have one number one receiver. In well, yeah, I, I, they I did. Not existing glasses on on my nose. Um, yeah,
1: there were some some real specific folks on facts and such. And it's like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like I, I get where we're going here. I, I got
0: it. corrected several times last night. So, and anyway. I appreciate I appreciate that. Um, the 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 little running. Hop, uh, you know, onside kick that, uh, Tennessee tried. I, I made the point that I think that's only ever worked once and somebody rightly pointed out to me. Well, Auburn pulled it off twice. Um, multiple people actually said that to me. Um, you know, they pulled it off twice in the past. I was like, all right, well, that's corrected. But I, I, I should have said this. I don't think it's worked in like the last five years of football. Like that one doesn't work anymore. You're just asking for your for your kicker to get crushed or like look like a goober trying to you know trying to get <laughs> it a little too early. By the way, nice nice uh nice hands there by uh, John Samuel Sanders- Shanker, that was um, uh,
1: yeah. Matt McElroy was I know I think there's a real mixture uh, on him about whether or not you like him as a person or commentator or whatever. And uh, I'm kind of indifferent on the whole thing but one one of the things I mostly
0: you... I mostly watch games on mute um especially when I rewatch them but like I've never had a I've never had an issue with McElroy uh, as a commentator and what wasn't Joe Tess the yeah, uh, yeah, I uh, it was a, yeah. Play by play guy, yeah.
1: Combo and and a, you know that, at least that's a lot uh,
0: better. I'll say this. that's a lot better combo than 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 a lot of ones you can get on our right. games.
1: but he made a good point. Like in turn like not many folks will remember the Shanker thing, but it it absolutely seals the door on anything crazy happening. And it's kind of a thankless position to be sitting in the middle of the but, field waiting it, to get creamed on a onside kick, like you know, it,
0: whatever. And and the thing there, I think after the game, uh, there were some tweets I saw, uh that you know Shanker yeah compared, hey, uh that's 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 your baseball player making it make play on a grounder. Just <laughs> go ahead and secure that thing. Um uh, but yeah, good good play for John Sam Shanker. Uh I thought Auburn's tight ends i you know, we wrote about it on Friday. It's gonna be a big matchup for them against against um against Tennessee. Again, I think it kind of followed some of the similar lines that we've seen from earlier in the year. Got them a little bit more involved in the passing game, even though they didn't come up with a ton of big plays, you know, three catches for 18 yards is not going to make anybody, know, you know lose their minds. But there's a lot of times on Saturday where they went into 12 personnel and they were able to run the ball uh, pretty well out of it. That split zone continues to 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 be a problem Luke Deal can can finish off some people. Uh, JJ Pegues is going to continue to, you know, kind of kind of Keep it going in that aspect, and, and like we said, um, you know, earlier in the week, getting Grant Calcaterra will be very interesting. To see how that tight end position develops moving forward. I will. I, I want to see on Saturday if they're holding a play call or. A, I think they are. A for, I was thinking the
1: Same thing. I was for, thinking the same thing.
0: For um, uh, for a guy like Brandon Frazier, um. Which in twenty eighteen when they went to to Jared and Hare they had thrown in the tight ends all year and hello here's John sandwichmoshanker or or not uh, Brian Denny I should say um and here's John Samuel Shanker making some catches and they did that against George as well so wonder if that wonder if that's going to be the case uh on Saturday but
1: I think I fully you know, expect there's going to be a few things that they've held back this entire season
0: uh i want to <laughs> I wanted to point out. <laughs> Something, I, I think I might have mentioned mentioned it earlier. I just wanted to bring attention to it once more. Uh, Smoke Monday's quote on Jared Garantano on that interception. Uh, buddy. The question was, can you walk us through your pick six? And here, here's what, here's what Monday said. He said, quote, I knew he was one of those quarterbacks who loved to stare his receivers down. I took it one way. He wasn't doing a good job of looking us off tonight. So I touched it away and came back late. And it was right there. Later on, someone asked him, hey, uh, you know, Roger McCurry tried to, try to pull one out of the end zone against Ole Miss, but got caught. Uh, did you think about taking a knee? He said, no, 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 not once. Once the ball was was in my hands, I knew I was going to the end zone. Gotta love smoke Monday, but yeah, I knew he was one of those quarterbacks that loved to stare his receivers down. And like early, those, those Tennessee, those, those Tennessee quarter, you know, there was, there was this, there was this thing during, during the first quarter of the game. It was like, oh, well, once again, Auburn is making Jared Garantano look like the second coming of Peyton Manning. And I was like, yeah, he looked good, but like also like those guys are kind of just running free. Those were, those were easy passes to make. It wasn't like he was, it looked, I'll say this, it wasn't like Jared Garantano was just dropping dimes on him like they, like he did two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. These guys were getting open and, and they were making some easier plays, especially those quick throws early and Auburn was having a hard time tackling. But, yeah, it's, again, man, I, they moved the ball late with Harrison Bailey. I know this is not a Tennessee podcast, but I, I just don't know why in the world you're gonna, you're gonna keep, you're now in a five game losing streak, right? If you're Tennessee and you're trying to get any sort of, you know, favor back with your football program, it's not much. And like, they're already talking, like that fan base is already obsessed with the notion of that they could get into a, you know, bidding war for Hugh Freeze. But uh, the an easy fix would just be saying, "Hey, on Saturday when they play Vanderbilt, uh Harrison Bailey is going to be our starting quarterback, right?" Like just something, you know. Uh, the, the fact that Garantano has gotten worse over his time at, at Tennessee is is a is a red flag. And like, well, like it's we also said,
1: pretty cool because Tennessee does recruit reasonably well. Like when he took over for Jones, that was not the worst roster by any stretch for a team to take over, given how got bad their record was. Most- yeah, and that exactly. And like, you know, that's been a big talking point on this podcast is, Hey, need to, in terms of the prospects you've been going after, Auburn coaching staff, there's been some swings and some misses. Well, there haven't necessarily been swings and misses for the volunteers of that position group. They just aren't good as a, as a whole unit.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with Tennessee that I, that I think moving forward that is going to be interesting to watch with this
1: whole thing with Pruitt. Cause like the fan base is very, Oh, they're done. They're 100% yeah. done. I mean, I know it's right after a game, but like, they are, they are out, and I don't blame them because he's an ass on top of the fact that he's not good at his job. The,
0: the thing with, the, the thing with Pruitt, I think, is that they're recruiting really well, and he's gotten them back to where they want to be recruiting, but sure. that seems to be it for this football program, right? Yeah. They're in danger of, I don't even know if it's even danger at this point, they're in danger kind of like of being a worse version of USC, or it's like, all right, we've got all this recruiting talent, and we're doing nothing with it. And so, there's something to be said of development, and, and and there are certain position groups on the field for Auburn where that has been an issue, and that has been a talking point among the fan base, you know, for 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 the you know during the Malzahn era. Um, but I think Tennessee is kind of that ultimate example of like. You know, stars matter and you want to recruit and you, and you, and you, you, you want to win, you know, getting talent is the easiest way to be, compete for a championship, right? Like you have to do that more than anything else. Uh, teams like Indiana, they can give Ohio State scares. They can take advantage of some, of some weaker, um, big 10 opponents like Michigan, like, um, you know, the way Penn State like, yeah, <laughs> and Penn State and just some da- they can take advantage of some down teams. Right. And they can play pretty well uh, against those teams. But like when you play a team like Ohio State, you got to have the horses, blah, 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 blah. But if you're Tennessee, recruiting is so huge, but it's not the end of the world. And so if that's my thing with Tennessee at this point is like, I don't know what happens next for them because they just extended Pruitt right before the season and, and everything was good. They had won six games to end the year last year, even though the, the schedule wasn't great. They won six games in end in, the year and they were about to win two more to start the year. And and uh, you know although the South Carolina game was a closer call than I think than I think Tennessee fans would have wanted. And now they're in a they're now they're in a spot where it's like <laughs> you know. They, they've got more money on the hook now for Pruitt, and I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated too where this goes, because they play Vanderbilt on Saturday, and I think they beat Vanderbilt. If they play like they did yesterday, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think they beat Vanderbilt, even though Vanderbilt's looking a lot more game than they have been
1: recently. Yeah, man, keeping it, it was 38-17 against Florida, like, well, I was- That was forced. a close game until, like, what, yep. late third quarter? I for sure thought that was a game that um was gonna turn out like what the order would win by twenty five points. I think the spread was at about thirty one and I was like, yeah, yeah, they can win this game by three, four touchdowns. Well, I guess they did win it by three touchdowns, but anyway, I digress. I uh way- does not look as bad as they once did, and given that Tennessee may be on the verge of simply quitting because their team's no good, their coach is kind of a jerk, and their players might be disinterested in a pandemic riddled season, like it's not impossible they could lose to Vanderbilt.
0: It's not impossible, and and Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's looking a little more game than, like I said, than than we thought. Uh, This kind of feels like kind of feels like what Vanderbilt does, though. Um, you know, it's just they had started so poorly this season. They looked like back to bad, 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 Mm bad Vanderbilt. Uh, but man, look at uh, Tennessee. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to rubberneck too much, but Tennessee, you get Vanderbilt this week. And then your last two games of the year are against Ascot, no, knows. Florida and Texas A&M. By
1: who's, the way, if Pruitt, who's thanks bad. to that recent extension, is uh, he's under contract until 2026. That's five more seasons. This is coming from Knox News. If Tennessee fired him on December 1st, it Maybe would owe Pruitt 60%. a buyout of $12.88 million. Man.
0: Uh, that's... Ooh, 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 ooh.
1: More uh, good, uh, more good business decisions from administrators who clearly are bargaining with money that is not theirs.
0: Yeah, uh, and remember that extension came during a pandemic, during when we knew that there was shortfalls in the, inside the athletic department and in the University of Tennessee system and.
1: And they may not be the only ones across coaches, the country. In fact, co- they probably.
0: Hold on, hold on uh, real quick though. Remember their coaches have publicly. Um, been like, hey, we're not we're not taking bakeouts.
1: Yeah, that that was where I was going. I was like yeah. they may not be the only ones, but oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a great look optically. Let's put it that way. Woo.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but again, I think that just kind of goes back as we were saying earlier when we look at some of these other teams cross cross cops football this this season with just the up and downs of COVID and teams having games canceled and practices being different and you're not know who you got week in and week out necessarily out there. Um, you know, it kind of feels randomized. So if you're Auburn, um, you got to clean up the mistakes you made. What, there's a very interesting quote, uh, that I put in there, uh, in the observations on, 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 uh, Sunday morning. It was a really good quote, I thought, from, uh, from Anthony Schwartz, uh, talking about third downs. Uh, he said, uh, after the South Carolina game, uh, we watched a cut up of every game and we saw that we were lacking on third and mediums. That was something they had to improve on. Uh, Auburn was, I believe, four of seven or five of seven on, on third and mediums against Tennessee, which was a big improvement. Uh, so that's what we made a big emphasis on these last few weeks, especially during these two weeks we had off. Uh, it was big for us to convert these third and mediums, keep the drive going, keep the chains moving. Uh, later on, somebody asked him what was the most important thing they found out they had to fix on third downs, and here, here's something interesting. He said, "Quote: The main thing we looked at is we have to be in the right spots. There were some, probably 10%, that was a good job by the other team. There were about 85 to 90% was stuff that we did wrong. So we got to put it in the perspective of it's us. We got to get better at it." So we took a long time dealing with it, and now we're a lot more comfortable on third and medium. We get on third medium, we're like, okay, it's just another play. Let's go. And that's the thing that like, there's been so much inconsistency from week to week. But like, if you can find ways to take steps forward, I think Auburn, especially if you don't have tank on on Saturday in the Iron Bowl, like getting better on those third and mediums, I think was was, was huge. And I, and I, and I just say that to say this, like there are some teams that are like going up and down and up and down and up and down. And Auburn had some areas like that on Saturday. Um, but there was some progress. If you, if you look, you know, the way that Knicks has thrown the ball these last three games has been better. Um, he is in the midst of his most stable run at, you know, consistent run of his, of his two year career. They are doing some different things in the passing game. They are spreading the ball around a little bit more. You can always do better in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, like, like, like last night, All third downs were not created equal. Yes, they finished, both finished 9 of 15 on third down, but when Auburn got their third downs and what they did, and what they did after they got stopped, right? You know, you get stopped on third down, but you were still in range of scoring. You had a kicker that was better on Saturday night. That, I think, made made a big difference, uh, you know, as well. Um, So if you're Auburn, some good, some positives you can take away from it, but like, it wasn't like you, it's not like you're coming into this week and you're kind of like Ohio State is right now. It's like, well, yeah, our offense looked, you know, really, really good. Uh Justin Fields threw three picks, which was weird. Um, But, uh yeah, uh our defense needs to be able to stop anybody. Like, for Auburn, you're like, well, we still held them to 17 points. I know the yards don't look great, but we held them to 17 points. There's some things that you can build on. And so it's not this, you know, you didn't bottom out. You didn't, you know, you, you've hit your rock bottom, I think, this season against South Carolina. So, you know, there's some, there's some things that they're building on and, and through all this adversity, they're, they're, I think, in my opinion, better than other teams and better than other big teams in college football are some of these powerhouse programs. You're doing a better job of, of, of building and try, trying to stay consistent and avoiding the, avoiding the big letdown. However, I will say, um, it wasn't the prettiest cover <laughs> in the world for Auburn. <laughs> Like, yeah, there was a, a real, there
1: was a real debate about whether or not you were giving Auburn love for saying that, or whether you were a big hater. And I'm gonna side on the, you're a hater for, you're just a big hater until you're a homer, then you're a homer.
0: Yeah, it, it depends on, it depends on what day of the <laughs> week it is. I'll, I'll say this though, um, there was a scenario, like, so here's what I thought heading into this game. Auburn might start slow, but Tennessee's bad. They are atrocious in the second half. Uh, I believe now it's like 105 to 14. They've been outscored in the second halves during their, during their, uh, during their now five game losing streak. Like they have been awful in second halves this
1: season. Mm-hmm.
0: So my thought process heading in this game was, okay, Auburn might start slow. I kind of expected them to be looking, to look a little rusty, but.
1: Given the layoff and Tennessee had a little extra time to prepare for I this one.
0: I thought Auburn's defensive line was going to play better in terms of the stopping the run. I thought Auburn's defensive front, actually. It's not all on the defensive line. Linebackers have to play there as well. I thought Auburn's defensive front, front was going to do a better job against against stopping the run. And then I thought, you know, they are it's going to click, and Tennessee's going to fold, and this could be a blowout like LSU. That's kind of what I thought could happen heading into this game, just looking at it more and more in right the breakdown. But what happened instead was – Auburn got off to that slow start. And then when they started coming back, Tennessee never got out of full rhythm on offense, right? Even with those empty drives and the pick six and all that, like they, they still were moving the ball. They still could say, well, if we run the ball against Auburn, we're going to, we're going to keep the chains moving. We're going to march between the 20s. And so when you have that, you know, combined with the fact, like, so Tennessee never really felt out of it and Auburn never really hit that third gear, you know, uh, on offense or on defense for that matter. Now the pick six, you know, and then it swings it back. Like, oh yeah, Tennessee's bad, and, and Auburn, Auburn's going to win this game. So, I think ultimately, when you look at this Auburn game, a win is a win, an SEC win in a weird year, a weird year like this is a win, right? A cover is a cover. However, I think there was a little bit that it could have been kind of a missed opportunity there for Auburn, not in the sense of they're going to regret the way they played yesterday, right? but i thought and this might be just idiot me had you know analyzing playing play armchair quarterback but i thought there was a scenario where they could pick up right back where they left off even after a slow start against tennessee and you're start and you're you're feeling really good about your not maybe not good about your chances you're feeling good about yourself heading in Brian Denny instead what you got is mm, you know defense could have done a lot better in this game. Yeah. Um, you, you it was definitely
1: like- a feeling of being left wanting more, Ferg. I think we made right. a similar comment at the end of the premium pod on Thursday, where it was like this basically to me was uh, three doors uh, available to Auburn heading into the Tennessee game and ultimately the Iron Bowl, which is you build off of that LSU and Ole Miss, or those games in particular the LSU one in dominant fashion, or you get sort of a ho-hum win, and it's like, all right, well, at least – We did, in fact, I use we very loosely there, at least Auburn did take care of business or, you know, the worst thing you lose. And it's like, well, that more or less just shutters the season down and removes all hope of even competing against Alabama. You're kind of in the middle of your best and worst case scenario. It was a bit of a ho-hum win. But again, you covered, you won by double digits. They just gotta finish in the red zone, tighten up a few things. I'm, I'm with you. Like there's, I'm having a hard time deciding which direction to take this in because Auburn's doing what yeah. I've done more years than not, which is play well in the back half of the season. What's that gonna amount to on the road against Alabama? I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and it, I think you come out of that game was like, well, you gotta stop and run better. You gotta do a better Ooh. job covering, especially earlier, early in the game. I think you gotta finish drives, like you just said in the red zone. The tank injury hurts. Um, you, you don't know what his status is like the tack losing the tackles possibly hurts even more. So you come out of that game saying it's a win, but it's like, Ugh.
1: at yeah. what cost almost, you know, when it, when it comes yeah, down to some yeah. injuries at some key positions
0: in, a, in an area where it could have easily gone like, look, it could have easily gone a closer game or even a Tennessee win, like the way, you know, the way Auburn had to kind of kick themselves up and, you know, get out of, get out of that funk early. Um, but it also could have easily been, Hey, we're going to make this other team just quit. And Tennessee never got to that point because they were always in arm's length, you know, arm's reach, you know, for most of the game. Mm. Um, and that's a, and that's a missed opportunity in terms of you could have, there's a, there was a scenario where you could have done what you did against LSU and now you're heading into the Iron Bowl feeling good, you know, playing your best football of the year. You're not at that point right now and you could be down key player or two or three on your offense heading into the heading into that Iron Bowl. But, again, Gus Malzahn with a decent team against Nick Saban. There's no other team in, in college football has had better success with that. I just I, – I'll say this, and we'll, we'll spend a good amount of time later in the week previewing the Iron Bowl, of course. There was some stuff that you saw on Saturday night against a bad Tennessee team Probably more than than the other side I'm gonna to flip to, but there was there was a decent bit of stuff last night. It's like, all right, if they do this against Alabama, it could be not a blowout necessarily. I don't think this Auburn team is just gonna get just pummeled into submission. Um, I don't think I don't think that team's like that, but like it could it could be a decisive loss and and one that you feel rough about heading into the final couple games in the regular season. Well, I mean, season. remember
1: 2018 it was a close first half and then Auburn just sort of in the second half and right. they ended up losing by about three touchdowns in that game.
0: Right. And then the other thing there is um, there were still some positives you saw in the game whether it was Knicks playing well, whether it was forcing turnovers, making the making the stops when you needed to. It's like, all right, if if you can tighten up some things, clean it all up, you're going to have a better shot. I still think of anybody in the regular season beating Alabama. And I also think Florida's defense looks so bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm and not particularly game.
1: excited for that game. I think we'll get a lot of offense the first two and a half quarters and it'll yeah. be pretty respectable. And then the last quarter and a half, like Alabama is going to score a lot more points. I, I do, I agree with you. I think even given that, uh, Florida probably beats Auburn head to head, I think Auburn will play Alabama closer and still lose, which, you know, Auburn fans will be like, well, whatever, but, uh, yeah. I, I, and I, you know, and I get it. A, I, am just not thinking thing. anyone in,
0: Right, yeah, it's like, a weird dynamic this year because it's like, all right, you lose the Iron Bowl, it, or, or even if you win the Iron Bowl, it's like, and, oh, yeah, well, the job's not done, guys. Like, or like, you know, <laughs> you
1: can't, you can't just. Yeah, you know, we even just, talked about that much. Where it's like the regular season this year is not over. They still got well, two games They got left a really good A and M
0: team. They got a really good A and M team at home, and then you got to play Mississippi State, that by some miracle looked better. Like,
1: oh man, I just. I'm having a hard time figuring out who I'm more Georgia? disappointed in, in that game. I think it's Georgia. You know, it's like, oh, it's gotta be Georgia. Because like, how did they let that happen? On the other hand, I'm like, how, Mr. B.C., how did you pull this together in one week and you've looked that bad all season? I don't understand. I would,
0: I would like to point out, I would like to point out that there was one point in time this year where, where Georgia was on pace to look like it had one of the best defenses we've seen in a very long time. And over the last four games, they have got, they've given up seven and a, 7.4 yards per play at Alabama. Um, they crushed Kentucky in a game that no one should watch because nobody wanted <laughs> to play offense in that game. They gave up 7.1 yards per play against Florida. And then last night against the Mississippi state team that was, that was scuffling so much. Um, especially on the offensive end, they gave up 336 passing yards, 5.4 yards per play. Not horrible, but it's like, there were, there were quite a few other teams in, in the SEC this year that have just, I mean, Kentucky, Arkansas, Kentucky, A&M, Alabama, and Vanderbilt all play much better defense against, against, uh, against Mississippi State than Georgia did on, on Saturday. So it's just, man, it's weird. It is funny that's to think a, that
1: LSU and Georgia team. have struggled against a historically bad Mississippi State team.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So.
1: And the yeah. LSU one turned out to be inconsequential because it's just like, oh, yeah, Ed Orgeron has – something weird has happened in that locker room this season, and on top of it, they lost all that talent. But the Georgia thing really blew my mind. And once it went into halftime yesterday, I was like, all right, Georgia's going to come out and just kill State. and they threw, it was It was By a good way, game. And you know what? As somebody who's been real salty towards the Georgia program, even though they ended up winning, I kind of enjoyed it.
0: By the way, uh speaking of LSU, they were able to pull off that win against Arkansas. I if if and I tweeted about it yesterday, if we do not fix the targeting rule in college football,
1: sucks so much. It's I am stupid. going
0: I am going to become the joker. I I I am
1: I am this is let so- me take away a guy's game over some you know, it and you had a specific out. instance too where it's like they don't, they don't want to overturn it because they don't want to hurt the ref's feelings.
0: I guess that was the point because the, the ejection in the second half, if you saw it of the Arkansas game, key defensive player for Arkansas, by the way, it's a pass over the middle and it's a nasty hit, but the guy turned his shoulder into it as much as he could. It was bang, bang. It was, it looked clean, you know, didn't even really seem like there was egregious a helmet contact. Well, rolling on field is confirmed. Not only are you out for the rest of this game, and you end up losing that game, a winnable game against a rival in LSU, you're going to miss the first half against Missouri. That is beyond dumb. And like I said, when the targeting call came against Smoke Monday um, in the in the Georgia game, when it came against Derek Hall in the in the in the Kentucky game, there is no. Like statistical proof that having this type of targeting call has fixed the problem in college football. There's no proof. There's no proof that there's, that, the, that, you know, the brain injuries have gone down or whatever you want to call it. There's no statistical correlation there. No one's been able to prove that to me. And, and so what we're doing is we're making our game worse because we're taking players out. A lot of times for bang bang. Now look, if you become Vontez perfect and you headhunt, right? You should get ejected, and you should be done, and you should. There should be suspensions. There should be whatever coming in line to that. But you don't have that a lot in college football, if if ever, if ever in college football. And so.
1: Even in the NFL, I don't think it's that common. Like most of them are professionals, and they're like, I don't want to lose money.
0: Right. So. Sometimes it happens and sometimes sometimes guys make bad hits and you have to say hey don't leave with your helmet or hey yeah. don't Yeah and don't, you know I'm not going to
1: say like these guys are like gladiators you know like I'm not going to say that we we haven't seen players in plenty of instances lose their emotions and get overly aggressive or like you said just lose sight of the fact that hey you can't hit like that anymore like it but, does happen
0: but it seems to be there's been more to me this season I've seen more instances of bang bang plays mm-hmm. where the defense couldn't have done anything else in that in that situation and they get ejected and they miss either the rest of the game or the re- or you know the rest of the second half or and the then second the half
1: and then half the next game
0: that is stupid,
1: that so is stupid it's so dumb. Diff- it
0: hasn't cut down it hasn't that, cut anything down
1: yeah no, for there's no example in our country's vast and excellent history that would prove punitive uh, punishments <laughs> are are the way to go and that they fixed all of our problems so i'm with uh, you it's dumb I, and we've what, had a couple of years to figure this out and the nca is like mm, no, actually, stop signing things. We have important things to discuss.
0: the 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 thing with the the thing with that is is that it's easy. There's an easy fix, and right. it's a, you can call it yellow card, red card, like there is in soccer. You can call it flagrant run, flagrant two, like you do in basketball. Yep. There's an easy fix there. If it happens to you the second time, then it's like, all right, kid, you're either got you got worst, your
1: warning shot.
0: You either got your worst, you either have the worst luck in the world, or you didn't learn your lesson the first time around. You're out of here. All right. That's fine. That's okay. But like to make a kid miss the rest of the game for a bang bang. And then it comes up to the discretion of the, of the officials. And what we know for sure from replay is officials are not going to overturn calls unless usually it's very obvious that they got it wrong. Right? Because it's this kind of protection and replay has made
1: sports worse. Oh, it's awful. I, I mean, capacity. I know there was a lot of complaining about it last night, but it was awful. Like, stop taking all, if you can't figure it out in 60 seconds, if you're not 90 getting seconds. The calls,
0: if you're not getting, like, even if you're re, you're replaying and there are some judgment calls and intent and whatever, mm-hmm. but like, if you're not, if you're, if you've instituted replay and you are not fixing the problems and you're not getting these calls 100% right, what's the point of it? You're just ruining the game. And in this case, you're, you're keeping, you're keeping key players, you know, off the field. Um, and, and I and like having
1: replays like I do it's just I think it could be done better I think could be better off without it honestly sometimes yeah um, and like you know in or the case of the Seth catch officials. it was nice to have shout it out, but shout I shout
0: out Patrick Claibon let's just go full robot officials
1: shoot I mean they could they could afford it's to put sensors in the ball and in the sidelines and such they really wanted to it's
0: so it's yeah it's so weird and um, I guess while we're on the subject of suspensions and all that uh man the sniper run on from Tennessee in that in the in in that game where and Gus was gone.
1: understandably mad. I just don't know what the refs are supposed to do unless they make it like you have to sit out more than one play, like you have to sit out the series or three plays or something. I, like what do you do? Like what do there's nothing the refs can do even though it was clearly BS.
0: Right i i can't I can't remember fully. What was
1: was 12 men on happen? the field, okay. right?
0: Right, but when when did that happen during the game? Like, I thought like, it was in
1: the second half, but honestly, I, I don't it was remember. The, it wasn't
0: the second half. I just want to know what, like, cause it took Auburn kind of, uh, I guess Auburn kind of kind of went out of the flow there. Uh, let me look, let me look that up.
1: Um, well, weren't they moving with some pace? And that was part of the reason it was so frustrating because it couldn't have been more transparent what was happening. Like Tennessee was on their heels and on top of that, it was like, oh, you guys aren't, you, you guys aren't even ready to line half. up.
0: This is the first drive in the second half where Auburn ended up kicking a field goal out of it. And they were kind of moving. And then after that, after that, you kind of take the flow out of the, the flow out of it. For sure.
1: If I'm Tennessee, it's a brilliant move, but. But they know, ran I, the dude on the field to do that, right? That, that seems like a penalty to me. That seems like a fine At least a delay or of game
0: for the, co- for the coach, man. Like, player's just doing what he's told to do, right? I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not in favor of necessarily, you know, Oh, player X, you were suspended for faking an injury or whatever. I, I don't, I don't like that. No, just guys can, can, guys can just players.
1: like cramp up. Like that can happen.
0: Right. But here's the thing. That dude went down. He came on the field, went down, like, Join the huddle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then limped over, like ran limped yeah. Yeah. his way to the, and immediately got back in the huddle. And meanwhile, I'm sitting through another three and a half minute TV timeout from ESPN. Cause I, you know,
1: I, I guess uh, they got bills to pay for. You know uh, the deal there's no
0: there's nothing worth i mean we have been stuck in our homes for nine months we know everything that's out right now like it's it's you know we don't need all these commercials but anyway um yeah it's it's bush league and like (laughs) so there was i tweeted about it there's a couple tennessee fans were like are oh, you made to tell me Auburn would never do it? I was like, yeah, they did it once, and it was lame. When anyone does it, it's it's stupid. And guess
1: what? They did it against Arkansas that year, and Arkansas still scored. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So, I and then like, Auburn still beat the hell out of Arkansas, which is just something we love to see.
0: It. I mean, I don't know. Just you got to be better than that. Yeah, I get why you do it, but I mean.
1: Well, it was a little more transparent than normal, and the fact that they had twelve men on the field, if I'm remembering that correctly, also right. is like, oh, okay. Right.
0: And it's and it's the and it's a case of yeah, and it's also a case of like, there's enough plausible deniability where it's like, oh no, he was really hurt. And It was like,
1: hmm, okay, who yeah, wants to be the reporter that's like, hey, were you actually hurt? Nobody wants right. to go there, you know. Right. And it's
0: like, right. Oh. Yeah, and then you ask the question to Gus after the game, and Gus is like. Again, ultimately it didn't matter, but it's just one of those things where you just it kind of gets on your nerves. Anyway, I think that's enough complaining. Um,
1: Auburn. <laughs> yeah, we did get a little off track there with the refs and the, the camera reviews.
0: Uh, Auburn wins thirty to seventeen over over Tennessee. They got some things they've got to tighten up for sure on both sides of the ball in order to have a good shot of uh, of knocking off a really good Alabama team that just won by 60 points over Kentucky yesterday. Um, yeah, I think the
1: line was around 31-30, so they about doubled that up. I'm not sure where it closed at, but they essentially doubled down on that. Where do you think, speaking of which, given that a few I've seen are, are starting to pop up, but a lot of lines, or at least a couple haven't dropped yet, given the time we're recording this, where do you think, how many touchdowns favored will the Crimson Tide be at home over the good guys.
0: Um, hmm.
1: If you had to put a, if you had to put a little guess, guess, I'm thinking somewhere around three tutties, but
0: if you go to SP Plus right now, why can't I log in? I'm very, I'm very upset. Um, <laughs> this is wonderful podcasting. If you look at SP Plus right now, Auburn would be a eighteen and a half point dog. You know, I think you tweak that a little bit for home field advantage. 19 or 20. I've seen some 21 and 20s. Um, I think that'll be right around where it is. Like if, if, if Auburn plays, if Auburn plays a game like they're capable of playing on both sides of the ball, they'll be closer than 20 and they could give Alabama a really good run if not have a shot to beat them, right? It's not out of the question. Um, but I mean, the way Alabama's looking and the way Auburn kind of didn't do super well, um, you know, last night against Tennessee makes you think that. But again, like I said, this season kind of feels like a number generator. Um, and just whatever you get is whatever you get. So we will talk more about that Auburn, uh, Alabama Iron Bowl, uh, later this week. Uh, got a big week coming up on AuburnObserver.com. There's a lot to get to, um, from this one, uh, for, for this one, I should say. We're going to do an early week Auburn mailbag. I'm going to, I'm going to. It's this
1: it. week, my friend. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna shoot. All right. So, um, here's what you got. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, com. $6 a month, $6 a year. I really appreciate everybody who has, has, has shown love and, and, and gotten to this point. We are really closing in on a big number here, um, with basically two months into this whole thing in terms of, um, you know, paid subscriptions. Uh, but sign up com. Uh, there's a link if you get this through your email, if you're on the, if you're on the email list, uh, there's a link to hit the button if you want to subscribe and, and switch over to a, to a paid subscription. You get that premium podcast we'll do later in the week. But running down here real quick, for those of you who are subscribers, I have a film room on Monday. We're going to do a mailbag on Tuesday. I'm going to do a Tuesday mailbag. Um, and why we're doing a Tuesday mailbag is because there's a lot of stuff going on at the end of the week. Um, so we'll keep that in mind. We're going to do a Tuesday mailbag. Send me your questions. Now, if you're listening to this, tweet them to me. Email them to me. Um, you got all that going on as well. Wednesday uh uh there will be a, an Iron Bowl preview story of some kind kind of the last day before everybody kind of gets into holiday mode uh Thursday and Friday Auburn plays um basketball <laughs> uh they uh they open the season at St. Joe's on Thursday afternoon we will have post game observations from that up on uh Thanksgiving night those will get emailed into your inbox and then Friday afternoon after the Gonzaga game more post game observations from Auburn basketball on Friday Saturday will be the Iron Bowl, um, and we will have the full uh, observations and um, uh, recap podcast on Sunday. Uh, I, the premium podcast, if you're listening to this and aren't subscribed, uh, we do one more podcast per week for subscribers only that previews the upcoming game. We are going to shoot to do that one, I believe. I believe we will try to release it on Thursday morning, I think is probably going to be the best way to go about it. Either Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning, we'll we'll figure it out. Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, that will preview the Iron Bowl. We'll also touch on uh, Auburn basketball's uh, start of the season as well. So it's very very busy. A lot of stuff going on. Auburn observer, AuburnObserver.com dot com is where you can get it. Pay or tell the folks at home how they can continue to support uh, the podcast, whether or not they're a subscriber uh, to the uh, to all the work we've got on the website
1: rate review subscribe thank you guys tremendously for sharing the stories ferg puts a ton of work in on those Uh, i think it's pretty fair to say it's content covering auburn that you just can't find anywhere else uh and with that said thank you guys very much for supporting us in any way whether that's listening to the recap podcast or throwing us a few bones so that we can uh that we can eat and keep doing this thank you all
0: yeah for sure um those of you who are, who are listening to the podcast that are, that are, uh, just get the free podcast and, and haven't, haven't subscribed yet. We thank you guys for joining on and spreading the word there. Um, we enjoy doing these, we enjoy doing these free podcasts and we still wanted to be able, we know not everybody can subscribe, you know, financially, all that good stuff. So you don't want to, and that's fine. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not easy telling people, Hey, uh, you need to pay for, um, sports writing. You're like, well, I haven't had to do that <laughs> pretty much ever. And it's like, yeah, well. Uh, welcome to the new world uh but yeah we appreciate all of you guys for listening uh whether you're a subscriber whether you're not a subscriber all that good stuff we'll continue to have it uh some of you we will talk to you next sunday uh in the aftermath of the iron bowl and auburn's first two basketball <laughs> games of the season um for the rest of you who are subscribers uh, check out all the stuff we've got going on this week that i just ran down and then uh our sometime uh we'll 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 nail down a time a little bit more specifically as as the week goes on uh but around thanksgiving you will get a preview episode for the iron bowl and we'll talk a little basketball as well painter uh bills are off today
1: uh hopefully that's good news i think i could use a break given the way things went recently but hey still it's off the division so go bills go bills